Matthew chapter 18. The title of today's message is Cancel the Debt. See, many of us, um, two and a half weeks ago, on a Wednesday, marked 40 days till Easter. And the staff, the board, and some others that were here on that Wednesday committed to a 40-day fast, which I encourage you to jump on it now. You know, anytime we can come together in unity, especially fasting and praying, God sees. Um, but on Wednesday, I've been expounding on the Isaiah 58 scripture on what God lays out as his kind of fast that he's chosen for us and the benefits or the results from that type of fast. And part of the results is it's called untying the cords of the yoke. And if you want to know more about that, come this Wednesday and I'll expound more on those. But untying the cords of the yoke, this would mean that there are things in our life that we actually drag around with us. Like this yoke it's talking about. One of the most crippling yokes you can drag around is the yoke of debt. And although financially it applies, I'm talking spiritually, physically. The debt that we demand of others, that you owe me something. Uh, fill in the blank. You, um, you owe me an apology. You owe me happiness. You owe me peace. You, you owe me respect. You owe me, again, fill in the blank. It's the debt that we place on each other. And I want us to look at today, we're going to read the parable of the unmerciful servant. And it starts in chapter 18 at verse 23. He says, he starts verse 23 with therefore. I know I've always taught you that you don't even begin to read any farther until you go back and figure out what did he just say? Because now he's telling you something that goes in context with what he was just saying. But we're going to hit that at the end, okay? So he starts this parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents, which is millions of dollars, was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Denarii, or however you say that. Anyway, it's a few dollars. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell onto his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back. 
but he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your understanding. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, our teacher, our guide. Have your way till up the soil of our heart and prepare our heart to receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I want us to just take the next few minutes and just dig into whenever you read the words, which if you're reading through the gospel, you'll see over and over again, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, it would do you well to take a plethora of time investing into understanding what he's about ready to say. Whenever he mentions the kingdom of heaven is like. Because we're supposed to be people of the kingdom. We're supposed to be expanding the kingdom. Wouldn't it do you well to understand what that kingdom is like? He has given us multiple opportunities to see it in every day like he's showing here. Uh, relationships. Uh, you know, using nature, using human relationships, using things we can see as what the kingdom of heaven is like. This one parable alone would be enough for me on how I need to live out the rest of my days as it has to do with my brothers and sisters, which let me just help you understand your brothers and sisters are not only the ones within the four walls of the church. It is everyone. Everyone. We are all God's children's. Children's. You like that? That was the little, you know, black blood in me that came out. We are all God's children. All. So he's talking about, and that's what that therefore, one of the things he talks about right before here is that we are all, he says, you know, you want to know who's the greatest? Bring me a little child. Why? Because you're all little children to me. You're all my children. And then he goes on to even say, you're all my children. And if one of them wanders off, which guess what? We're all born into his kingdom. We actually choose to wander off. There's not some that are born saved and some unsaved, right? Are we on the same page? We're all born into the kingdom. It's by our wayward hearts when we get whatever age. I mean, you could be 8, 9, 10. You know, I remember I started going astray when I was in fourth grade. 
doing things I shouldn't have been. That was my choice. Then I left the sheepfold. And that's what he says right before. If one of my children wander off, will I not go after that one? Why? Because I'm not willing that any of my children should perish. He says, you now do likewise. And then he goes on to forgive. If you're one of your brothers, anybody, remember everybody, not just in the church, get that out of your thinking. I think for too many centuries, the church has, has been calling each other brother and sister, and those are the unsaved. Well, they might be unsaved, but it's your job to go get them. Because they're your brother and sister too. You know, I've got some children who are, you know, in a good relationship with the Lord and some who are not. Are they not my children? Of course they're still my children. And my heart, you know, breaks for them that they would come back. So don't tell me that only the ones that are doing good are my children or your brothers and sisters. No, it's all of them. And so he goes on to say, if anyone... If any of your brothers or sisters sin against you, he tells them, go and make it right. Well, how many times should I do that? Remember he said, how many times should I? Is it only seven times? Can I just count seven and say, okay, I'm done with you? No. He, he puts out a multiplication table out there. That's, there's no way you can keep record. You know, 70 times seven. or, or it, It's trying to say... Uh, how many times do you want me to forgive you? Well, every time. Well, then that's what you're supposed to do. Every time. And then he goes into this parable. Now the kingdom of heaven is like. See it in the context now? Now the kingdom of heaven is like this unmerciful servant. Let's just break it down real quickly. And I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures. I'm not going to take time to flip to. Um, but again, you're all being very uh, faithful stewards and you're writing down notes, right? So that you can go back throughout the week. You get the message and, and you do the studying like a Berean, right? To really fertilize that seed that's getting sown today. Sure you are. Um, it says the king brought his servants before him to settle their accounts. There is a time in everyone's life where we will have to give an account. Before God, it says in Romans 14, 12. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. 2 Corinthians 5, 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Can you bring this down a little bit? I want to get louder, but I keep hearing feedback, so I'm, I know. You're like, keeper. No, okay. We will all give an account. You agree with that? Doesn't matter. You will. <laughs> you like me now. <laughs> Didn't say it. He did. Okay. We will all give an account. There will be a settling of accounts. He goes on to say the servant's debt to the king was millions. Millions. The, think of it. And he's, remember, you have to keep applying this. He's saying the kingdom of heaven is like. So this parable is a direct correlation, reflection, representation of the kingdom of heaven. Okay? So the enormous debt that the servant had to the king. 
do you and I owe a debt to the king? To God. An enormous debt. Our sin is an enormous debt before a righteous God. You've heard it said that the value of something is determined what, by what someone will pay for it. Let's see. God gave his one and only son. Do you think that's an enormous debt? That he had to send his best, his one, his only son to pay that debt. He was not, the servant was not able to pay. Listen, all the riches that this, this man could acquire couldn't become a, a drop in the bucket compared to the immense, immeasurable, uh, you know, weight of the sin debt that he holds, we hold before the king. Isaiah 64, 6 says, all your righteous acts are like filthy rags. You can't get there by doing good. You can't, you can't outweigh. I've heard people say this, that, well, our life is kind of like, a, you know, where the word just disappeared out of my mouth. What's that thing where you put on and it weighs out? Thank you. Woo. I didn't get enough coffee this morning. It's like a scale, that our life is like a scale. And if we do more good than we do bad, then we, you know, it, God puts it, all of this up on a big scale when we stand before him. No, even if you could, you know, get everything, do everything right. I mean, think about it. The religious leaders of his day did everything right, right? They were doing everything right. Yet he said, your righteous acts are like filthy rags. They can't compare to the immense, immeasurable weight, debt of your sin, my sin. The servant fell on his knees before the king. Listen, falling upon the Lord is a sign of humility. An utter surrender. Uh, Jesus said, remember he quoted the Old Testament scripture that says that I am the cornerstone. Those who fall upon this rock will be broken. But those on whom this rock will fall will be crushed. When we fall upon the Lord, fall on our knees, complete, utter surrender in humility, we can be broken. But do you notice that he did the act, yet wasn't changed? He fell on his knees, he fell before the king, he begged forgiveness, right? And yet he stood up. And immediately still went after his fellow brother. Some do this as a show, as a sign. Oh! Or they cry out to each other, forgive me. But they're walking away. Yeah, I bet you better forgive me. Right? They come before the Lord. Oh, forgive me. And then walk away as if they were never forgiven. 
The servant did not change his way of thinking after his experience. That's repentance. Changing the way you do life, you think about life, after your forgiveness, after your debt is canceled, is true repentance. If you continue to do the same things you've always done, if you continue to think about things the way you've always thought about things, you have not yet experienced true repentance. A true repentance when he fell out before the king and begged forgiveness and received forgiveness. In a true repentance, he would have stood up and looked at everything differently. I'm free. Right? Matthew 15, 8, it says, these people, God said, these people honor me with their lips. They cry out, oh, forgive me, forgive me. Yet their hearts are far from me. That's why he called those religious leaders whitewashed tombs. He said, you look good on the outside. You're crawling, you're falling down and oh, you know, and oh, forgive me, forgive me. But on the inside, you're full of death. There wasn't true repentance. The servant's request, here it was, be patient and I will pay back everything. Be patient declares he was not ready for that day. Give me more time. What do you think 99.99% .99 of the people are going to say when the Lord returns? I need more time. What do you think people cry out for on their deathbed? Mercy, more time. Oh, I should have done this. Oh, I should have done that. And do you think any one of them have to do with, I should have taken more vacations. I, I should have put more in my Roth IRA. I, sh I should have invested more in my retirement fund. No, they cry out for more time and for the time to get things right that they should have done before. When he cried out, be patient, give me more time, just declares he wasn't ready for that day. And Matthew 24, 44 says, so you also must be ready because the son of man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. You know, it was pounded in my head over and over and over again. You need to prepare like you will have a hundred years. Or plan like you have a hundred years, but prepare for none. Prepare, be ready to go at any moment. But plan for, plan for. Like you have a hundred more. And I know you're like, well, what does that mean? I ain't got time to tell you what that means. It just means get ready now. Get ready now. But plan for taking care of your grandkids. Taking care of your grandkids' grandkids. Taking care, you know. Investing. Sowing the seeds. Building. Whatever it takes. But be ready to go at any moment. The king's response, knowing that the servant could not ever repay this debt, he didn't just give him more time, because giving him more time, would that have helped him? No. 
He canceled the debt entirely and let him go free. Ephesians 1.7 says, In him we have redemption, which means the debt has been paid through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of his, God's grace. It's his mercy. It's his grace that canceled the debt for us. But here it is. This is, this is how we know that repentance wasn't real in this servant. He immediately went and found a fellow servant who owed him a couple dollars. Listen, without true repentance, we live an ungrateful life. An ungrateful heart says your gift, your sacrifice was not enough. I'm going to find my own retribution, my own um, way of paying. I can do this. I'm, I'll take care of this. It wasn't enough. An ungrateful heart claims the gift wasn't enough. That's why he ran after, went after, immediately left to go find the servant, a fellow servant who owed him just a couple dollars. What do you think he was going to do with that couple dollars? Probably in his mind was still thinking, I need to, I owe that. If he truly received that canceling of debt, that forgiveness and true repentance, he would have left free knowing the debt's not there anymore in celebration he would have bumped into his bumped into his fellow servant and say, "You know what? That couple dollars, keep it, buddy. I have no debt. I have no debt anymore." But because he went out immediately and it said found him, which means he was looking for help. Where's that guy that owes me a couple dollars? Gonna get why? Because he still thinks he has to pay for something he's been forgiven from. He couldn't receive that. Ungratefulness cannot receive that forgiveness. It's actually a spit in the face of God. It's not enough. What you did is not enough. Could you imagine? Think about what that king would. If that servant would have come back to him with those couple dollars. And waved those couple dollars in his face. See I told you. If you just gave me more time. I could pay you back. How? I, I can't even think of a big word to say here. Ungrateful. Yeah. What, what do you mean? Waving these couple dollars in my face. I canceled your debt. What, my gift's not good enough for you? You think you're going to pay this on your own? Ungratefulness will continue to carry a debt that's already been paid. The fellow servant, listen, when he found his fellow servant, that fellow servant made the exact same request. Fell on his knees, cried out the same words. Yet the servant refused to show him mercy. Oh, I jumped ahead. Made the same exact request. Ungratefulness often forgets the immense grace 
that was just shown. Forget. Well, how can you forget such a thing? Well, how did he go from the, you know, the feet of the king right out to find his fellow servant? He forgot what he was forgiven of. Ungratefulness flips off your memory. Ungratefulness wipes away what you've been given. You forget. Ungratefulness often forgets the immense grace shown to them. Listen, Psalms 103. This was David that cried, that cried out and said in these first five verses, let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death, crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life. With all things good. May I never forget. David cried that out continually. When he was running from the very king that he was to replace. He was already anointed to replace. Yet he said don't forget. Don't forget. Why? Because it will be hard for me to extend mercy if I forget that I've been extended mercy. Don't forget. Don't forget. It's like he was constantly reminding himself. Remember, he even had to call out to him, Why, oh, downcast my soul. Lift up your eyes. Come on. Tell yourself. Don't forget. Don't, your, don't forget. Don't forget. Why? Because that's how we can keep ungratefulness away from us. And that's how we can extend mercy. Knowing that I receive that mercy. I can extend that mercy. Don't forget. Yet the servant refused to show the same mercy shown to him. Again, ungratefulness shows no mercy. It has that eye for eye mentality. Well, you did this to me. I'll do this to you. You owe me. They're the ones that did that. They need to come say, you know, ask for forgiveness from me. Yet remember the therefore... What Jesus was talking about before this parable. He, he trained them. He taught them. If your brother has something against you. Go to them. You go to them. He didn't say sit there in your righteousness and wait for them to come to you. Pray that they get forgiven so that they can come to you and things will be all right. No, he said, go to them. Extend that mercy. It's not an eye for eye world. And then he had his fellow servant, he drug him in, had him thrown into jail until he could pay back the few dollars that he owed him. Now, sometimes I say this all the time to, to some of my kids that are still out there, that sin is just stupid. I know you don't like that word. Oh, Amy's not here. I can say it a lot. Sin is stupid. Sin has no common sense. 
It, it is. Think about this. If he couldn't pay the couple dollars when he's free to go and do business, how's he going to pay the couple dollars locked up? That don't even make sense. It's unreasonable and it's selfish. People, listen. Is the few dollars worth your brother's soul? I'm going to show you later. It's even your soul that's on the line. Mark 8, 36 and 37 says, Remember, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? Is those couple dollars, is that apology, is that happy life that you're demanding of your significant other that they need to give you worth your soul or his soul or her soul? And going on here, when the other servants saw, everybody's watching. The world, especially, is watching how you treat others. And then they tag God's name right on top of that. See, that's how God is. Judgmental, hypocritical. You know, he only loves you if you're good. How you love others. How you treat others. The world is watching. And they will judge God on how you treat others. Speak of others. You're sitting in a restaurant, people are listening. You pray for your meal, but then you eat your brothers and sisters. For dessert over your, you know, with your tongue? Or did you see them? Well, you did They're listening. See, I knew it. Church people are hypocrites. They pray to a God and bless my food. Yet they curse each other. People are watching and listening all the time. And I like it. They took it back to the king. He said the kingdom of heaven is like this. He threw this in here because it's like this. You don't think those people are crying out to God. See God I knew you were like that. Your servants. See what they're doing to each other. And you're supposed to be a loving God. They're crying out to him. Might sound like complaining, but same thing to him. They're all his children. You're causing them to stumble. And that was one of the things that he talked about before this parable. Don't you dare cause one of my children to stumble. And then he, when they told the king... King said, bring that servant back in here. And he brought back in that unmerciful servant, the parable's called. And the king says, you wicked servant. How did he get that name? The wicked servant? 
He was ungrateful and without mercy toward his fellow servant. He was ungrateful for the gift that had been given him. And he was unmerciful toward his fellow servants. Wicked servant. And then the king said, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? Over and over again, Jesus would say, you see what I'm doing? Do what you see I'm doing. Why? Because I only do the things I see my father doing. So do what I'm doing and you'll be doing what he's doing and we'll be doing what we're supposed to be doing. And the king said, why didn't you give or extend the same mercy I just gave to you? Wicked servant. The servant's outcome? Oh, I could camp here for another hour. The king turned him over to be tormented. Tormented. Listen, if you notice that there's Christians who seem to constantly be dealing with the same issue, same thing. I mean, it can be a different name, but it's the same thing over and over. It's tormenting. Why? Because there's something unresolved there. And I would have to say it's probably this canceling the debt. This something that they felt that they're owed from another fellow brother or sister that they're not getting and they're being tormented he turned them over to be tormented him over to be tormented and the king returned upon him his full debt mm, I didn't know he could do that he can't do that the bible says that he throws that into the sea of forgetfulness yeah, if you continue, as Jesus said, follow me as I, you know, I'm sorry, that was Peter or Paul, Paul that said that. But Jesus says, if you deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. If you do what I command, you are my disciple, right? It's not a once saved, always saved. He just proved that right there. Oh, you want to take care of this on your own? Here you go. Here's your debt back. Boom. Why? Because he was ungrateful for what he was given. And he was without mercy toward his brothers and sisters, his fellow servants. Wicked servant. I'm turning you over to be tormented. And oh, by the way, here's all your debt back upon you again. I believe that's a twofold. I believe it's for a now and a then. Listen, this is why. And I'll get to that in a minute. I got to show you another parable. Yeah. In Matthew 24, let me just read this to you. Because he turned on his fellow servant. It's another parable that Jesus taught here. Who then is the faithful and wise 
servant whom the master put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time. It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose that servant is wicked or turns wicked. And says to himself, my master is staying away a long time. And then he begins to beat his fellow servants and eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he is not aware of and he will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He turned wicked. Why? He turned ungrateful and forgot about the mercy extended to him. And so he could not or chose not to extend mercy to his fellow servants. That ungratefulness. And in verse 35, here it is. Parables over. Again, I'm back in chapter 18. Parables over now. He said the kingdom of heaven is like this king, this unmerciful servant. And he got right up to the point where he said, and then the king said, hand him over to the jailers to be tormented. Here's all his debt back upon his head until, to be tormented until he can pay his debt. Do you think he'll ever pay his debt on his own? Uh, no. Verse 35, parables over. Jesus said, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brothers from your heart. From your heart. That's true repentance. Cancel the debt. Completely let go. Think this through. God will place back upon you the entire debt of your sin. If you do not forgive others their sin against you. And he will hand you over to be tortured, tormented until you can pay back what the debt of your sin. How can that ever happen? Until you come back to full repentance, true repentance. Let me just show you two more things. I am closing. In the context of what it means to forgive others. This whole idea he's trying to get us to understand. Is that he places this weight of forgiveness in your hands. Your forgiveness and others forgiveness he places in your account. You write the check. Listen, in Matthew 6, 14 and 15, he said, If you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. But then he also says in John 20, 23, If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. But if you do not forgive them, 
They are not forgiven. Let me say this, give you this, real simple. Me, Brenda, if I choose to not forgive Shannon when she's done something to offend me, sin against me, I withhold forgiveness. Well, she's the one that did it, so she needs to come and ask for my forgiveness. She owes me an apology. I not only remove forgiveness from her, an extension of that mercy, I also remove forgiveness of anything and place back upon myself the debt of my sin. But then in the other scripture, in John, he says, you know what? If you forgive her, I'll forgive you. But if you don't forgive her, I also will not forgive her. So her forgiveness with God is in my hands. My forgiveness with God is in my hand. He gave us the check so to say to cancel that debt of sin and have that removed from each other and again brothers and sisters are not just the ones that are saved all all are his children we hold their forgiveness in our hands Listen, and I believe this is where a lot of us are stuck. We're wondering, where's the anointing? Where's the breakthrough, God? Where's the revival that we've been promised? And God's way back here saying, it's right here. I'm still right here. You need to deal with this. Because without forgiveness of sins, we can't go any farther. For anointing, don't ask for favor, don't ask for blessings if you can't even forgive your fellow brothers and sisters. Forget it. Why would he do that? This is where most of us are stuck. We don't understand that. We think that, oh, well, we'll just have you heard the term write them off? Well, somebody else can deal with them. Well, somebody else needs to go witness to them. You know, well, God will deal with them. I've heard good Christians say that. Well, God will deal with them. Oh, my Lord. What a horrible thing to say. That you're, you want to cast a sinner at the feet of a righteous God? What do you think is going to happen to them? why he made it such a huge point here. Listen, here it is. I'll cancel their debts, but I'm putting the check in your hand. You forgive them, I forgive you. You don't forgive them, I don't forgive them, and I don't forgive you. You want this debt, or do you want me to cancel the debt? You can't extend mercy to your brothers and sisters? Forget it. Come back. So what do we do? You know, it's laid out for us. Fall down before the king. 
repent honestly change everything the way you feel about people the way you think about people the way you do life the way you speak about life change everything freely you receive freely give grace mercy forgiveness love he put a whole whole bunch of things as love as i have loved you forgive as i have forgiven you extend mercy as i have extended mercy to you celebrating your freedom will keep ungratefulness from settling into your heart like David cried out, don't let me forget, don't let me forget how good you are to me. Don't let me forget, don't let me forget. Because then you're constantly aware of how big your debt was. And how puny somebody else's debt could be towards you. And that can't compare. Oh, brother, no, mercy there. Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna, no, I'm erasing that one right out of my books. You don't owe me anything. Why? Because I want to I want to be canceled. Stay canceled before the king. Celebrating your freedom. And then do all that you see Jesus doing. If you ever get yourself into a place where you couldn't see Jesus saying or doing what you're saying or doing, you shouldn't be saying or doing it. people are always watching always listening and the king will call you into account actually it says for every idle word you've spoken well it was just we were just eating dinner in the restaurant we were just saying that I wasn't even aware of what I was saying you still will give an account listen here's the last bit of instructions how do I know if I have truly forgiven them and canceled their debt simple you can begin to pray for them pray for them you can bless them not their sin bless them and you can extend love to them like a fellow child of God until you can pray for them bless them Lord keep them protected don't let Satan have them don't let them die before they come to repentance God send your mercy angels around them ministering to them constantly be calling for them to come back as a wayward child then you know that you've canceled their debt. When you see somebody that you don't agree with their lifestyle, we want to wear a sandwich sign and stand on the street corner and declare our, you know, our righteous, you know, anger against the sin that they're doing. Well, I guess good for you. But what about the sinner? that's still a child of God heaping upon them more guilt more condemnation is going to help them I don't think so when you see the wicked evil in the world well like you know you'll see between North Korea and South Korea and what's going on there even with Sally Joe's uh, book you read that the 
way to respond to that is an intercession. Not against them, for them. That ruler, uh, call him that, is a wicked man. What he's doing is wicked. He's still a child of God. For God to get a sinner is unmerciful. And if you don't extend mercy, you won't receive mercy. Please be careful. If you can hear anything I'm saying today, please, please don't forget what you give or what you sow. Let me just say that what you sow is what you'll reap. Mercy. Mercy, forgiveness. Pray for them. Extend that love. Get on your knees for them. They're a wayward child that needs to come home. Think what kind of good could be done if that man is a Kim Kim John Un. I say it wrong. That's why I usually just say the ruler. Imagine what could happen if God got a hold of his heart and he cried out and became a full 100% child of God, serving him with all of his heart, mind, soul, and strength. What could happen? Isn't that far greater than one man dying? If we just pray that God would just kill him, get him out of there. Come on. Pray for Pray for, extend forgiveness, extend mercy. All right, would you stand? Canceling the debt is the yoke is like that yoke. I really believe that you've tied yourself with the individual that you feel like they owe you something. Tied yourself to them. Dragging that around. They owe me. Now who's free? Either one of you? We need to cancel that debt. And the only way we can cancel their debt is if we first receive, truly receive, our debt as canceled. And don't give me that religious statement, well, I asked Jesus in my heart 20 years ago. Good for you. What have you done since then? sure you've never had any problems since then. We need to get right. Get right. Get right. And get right. Oh, that's why God was showing me that. Pre-service prayer. God showed me a picture of somebody that came to, like, the unmerciful servant at the feet of the king. That was, I knew that he had once been out, was celebrating the freedom the, the debt's been canceled and he was extending mercy 
but all of a sudden he tripped up, did something wrong. But instead of just wallowing in, well, there, it's all done now. He quickly got up and ran back to the feet of the king. Listen, I saw more of the picture, though. And he was too afraid to get up from the feet of the king and go out again. And he just laid there wallowing in it. Look at, I'm ruined. I'm just horrible. I'm a worm. I'm a worm. God, I'm horrible. I'm miserable. I'm better off. Let me just stay here. Stay here. That's not where you've been called to stay. For you to continue to wallow in the guilt of what you did do wrong after the debt's been canceled is to grab a hold of that debt and pull it back upon yourself again. And every time the king tries to pull that out, no, I canceled that. You grab a hold of that and pull it back over yourself and say, no, 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 I'm a worm, I'm horrible. That's just as bad as the one who uh, defiantly refused to accept the cancellation. When you are trying to pull back upon yourself the shame and guilt of, oh, look what I've done wrong. Get up, leave it there, and go on. What happens? What if somebody sins against me again and I get trapped up in it? Run quickly back to the feet of the king. Cancel your debt so that you can cancel their debt. That's what it's all about. So let's spend the uh, next few minutes just coming up and, and falling before the feet of the king. And here it is. Here's the debt. God, you see the immenseness, the immeasurable weight of this this sin debt that I have, Lord, and you've paid it all and, and, and you've canceled it. Lord, I, I return it, I give it, I cast it upon you, oh God. I accept your forgiveness. I accept the penalty, Jesus, that you paid, God, that you surrendered your one and only son to pay that penalty of my sin debt. I accept that forgiveness. I accept that canceling of that debt. And right now, I just spend time in worship and thankfulness. Worshiping you, God, for your mercy, your grace, your love toward me. And just receive that forgiveness and receive that canceling of those debts. And you'll begin to feel those, those cords to that yoke untie and loose and loosen. you get up today and the people might be here you might feel like somebody in this room owes you something that go and make it right with them extend forgiveness they might not even know it extend forgiveness so that they can be forgiven so you can be forgiven extend that mercy Yeah. Come on, let's.
Let's just worship. Let's just worship. Do that. Do that. True repentance changes the way you feel inside. You think about life. You speak about life. Have your way, have your way, have your way. Teach me.